Louise Bedford here. I would like to talk with you today on Talking Trading about trading and what makes us tick. And speaking from the heart, I would really love for you to play along with me as you're listening. You might be listening while you're at the gym or cooking dinner or maybe going for a walk. And I know this is your time. It is so precious to get time alone to concentrate on the things that are really important to you. So this is really where you make your time count. Years ago, we would have had to go to university to get educated, whereas now we can plot our own course and take our own direction. And I just love that. So I don't take that for granted at all. I am honoured by you listening and I am so overwhelmed by the love that I'm shown I love it and whenever I meet people who are listening to the show on the street or maybe even they send me an email, I have to say you make my heart expand and make me want to do more and more for you because I know what a difference trading has meant to me and to my family and I know that you're wanting to experience the same if you're not yet already. And if you're not yet already, take heart because it might be closer than you think. Today, I want to talk about quality versus quantity. Now, there are so many aspects to this. I mean, I would much prefer a small group of quality friends than a huge group of friends that didn't really touch my heart. And you're probably the same. But what about when it comes to trading? When it comes to trading, should we take a lot of trades to improve our learning curve or should we be very selective? And at what stage in our trading growth should we become selective? Now, I can tell you in the States when they're training day traders for one of the major hedge funds, they make them do one trade per hour for the first week. Now, why do they do that? They need to get those traders used to seeing those figures on the trading screen. They need to minimise that trigger reluctance that so many of us feel. And they need to make sure that new employee is getting into the system of this is what we do with the paperwork, this is how we process the orders, and this is how we end up doing business. Now, I get that. I do get that. But in that first week... They are not looking at the results of that trader and they have very deep pockets. As an individual trader, a personal trader, when you're using your own funds, it is quite foolhardy to think that you can take that approach and still come out on top. Chris Tate, my business partner, has a saying that those who start with the most money win if they're using the same system, of course. Now, why? Why is that? Brokerage can churn through, but also decision fatigue can take its toll. So even when you're starting, I do want you to realise that quality is more important than quantity. You may need to get the first few trades under your belt to understand that dealing system, but after that, you should be looking 
at trades that fulfil a set of entry criterion that you do not differ from at all. And when you're kicking off, I suggest that you do the first 20 trades before you even review your results. That is so important because it will give you a chance to see what sort of trader you are and the things that really tick you off. (laughs) Some people have got different levels of risk aversion. You may be able to sleep at night, whereas another person putting on the same number of trades and experiencing the same emotions, they may be a nervous wreck. So think about where you are in your learning curve. And I do urge you to work on your archetype. Now, what do I mean by trading archetype? What I mean is that chart that is absolute perfection to you. It has almost mythical qualities. It is the most gorgeous chart you have ever seen. And I want you to look at what happened just prior to when you would have gotten in if you had a chance to. That initial stage just prior to action is where you need to focus on your archetypes. Now, you may have more than one archetype. You could have three archetypes, for example, the way I do. I have a breakout archetype, a reset archetype, and a retracement archetype. But regardless of the type of archetype that I have on my wall, my eye is drawn to that very initial stage of entry. When would I have liked to get into that trade that went from $5 to 50 I want you to look at that and to define that point of entry on those mythical, wonderful archetypal charts as closely as you possibly can. Some traders do convert those aspects into a checklist and that can be terrific. But if you're not that type of person, you still need some way of being able to make sure that every single entry set up and trigger is being met in your actual trading. It has to look exactly like your archetype. Do you remember when we were kids and we used tracing paper? where we'd have some beautiful work of art underneath, we'd put the tracing paper on top and we'd draw the outline and when we took the tracing paper away, it looked spectacular. Something well above that which our ability with art would have allowed at that stage. An archetype is the same way. You want the new trades that you're looking at from your scan to look exactly like those archetypal trades. You want them to have the correct setup, the correct trigger and every aspect so that you are likely to be able to follow that archetype and get those same results in your own trading. So the quality aspect comes in here. Choose a quality archetype and you might even want more than one and make sure every trade matches that archetype that you're taking so that you are likely to replicate those results. We came across a trader a short while ago. He had 62 trades open and his wife had 104 trades open. Now, (laughs) oh my goodness, trying to imagine how to manage that 
is defying my imagination. I cannot imagine what paperwork would be involved with having that many trades open. How many trades were not archetypal before they actually got involved and what sort of strategy they were implementing here other than trying to replicate the index. And of course, if you want to replicate the index, there are easier ways of doing it rather than buying so many shares. I think the quantity idea here where they thought the more irons they have in the fire, the more likely they'll have a winner. It is admirable. I mean, it shows that there's a level of work ethic there, but it also displays a lack of clarity of thinking. If every idea seems like a good idea, I can guarantee you that very few are. I would prefer that you're more selective. And if you are in that situation and you have a lot of trades open, you need to consider what to do. Do you close the ones out that are going nowhere and implement a time stop? Yeah, probably. Do you make sure that when you sell out, because it has hit your stop loss, that after that's sold out, you decide to just take a bit of a pause and work out what actually went on with that trade and journal about it? Yes, I think that would be a good idea too. So think if you have got too many positions open, how you can get out of them because we are looking for that quality view. The other aspect with quantity versus quality is that I don't know about you, but I just find with multitasking, I am never as effective as if I just concentrated on the one thing at a time. And study after study has shown this to be the case. If you have got so many positions open, there will be things slipping through the cracks. Sure, you might not be taking archetypal trades, but there will be other things that you will be freaking out about down the track and that your future self is going to have to pay for. If you get behind with your paperwork, sometimes it can seem insurmountable. And I've seen people with a lot of positions open that frequently fall behind. We all know that it's not how much money we make, it's how much money we keep. So if we fall behind on that accounting side of things, we can be shooting ourselves in the foot. But I do understand why people open a lot of trades in the first place. Sometimes they're after that endorphin rush those feelings of victory when you make even a small profit. And I was being interviewed by a day trader the other day on his podcast and he was saying that even though he's in his 60s, he was fine with making $100 per day. Mm. Trying to get to that $100 a day was taking him two and a half hours. So to me, when you're looking at actual return and where the big money is, usually it's by following the trend up over months and probably also over years. By getting in and out of positions to try and get that small grab, that feeling of victory, that endorphin rush, we are pushing ourselves into a situation where we're concentrating on the short-term, short-term trading, short-term rewards and also short-term trends. So often I see short-term traders who forget that the primary trend can actually unravel over years. 
They take little grabs out of the trend, thinking they're clever, but if they had have just sat still and let that trend take them all the way up, they would have had a better position overall. And we also have to think about brokerage. I mean, back in my day when I started, brokerage was huge, there is no doubt. And now brokerage is such a small cost, but it can also chip into a smaller account. That churn can damage your results. Without having that clarity of thought and operating only when every single setup and trigger is consolidated in your mind and on paper on that new chart, you are going to be throwing a lot of money into that admin cost of brokerage. Do take that into account. I think that is important to note. There's also a concept, and some people will relate with this and others won't, of moderator versus abstinence. So if you're a moderator, for example, with alcohol, you can take a little bit of alcohol here and then you'll know when to stop. And that's fine. That'll fit in with your life. But somebody who has had an issue with alcohol or if they know themselves very well and there's no issue that they've experienced but they're aware that that could be an issue, they may need to abstain from alcohol completely. Now, how do we apply this to trading? For some people, they end up putting 100% into trading and they go absolutely crazy. They feel like they have to have a very high level of activity and they feel that they have to replace their income. Especially when you're starting out as a full-time trader, I definitely felt that. And other people, they don't have that pressure on them. So they can be more moderate in their views. So abstinence tends to be an all or nothing and moderation tends to be a drip feed. If you're the type of person who's an all or nothing type of person, please know that the markets won't reward that. They reward small bits of effort every single day or every single week, as the case may be. You will get far more rewards by doing that than doing a massive hit in one weekend. You spend 24 hours and you focus completely on the markets. That that type of all or nothing approach won't suit you well in the markets. So it's about quality there also. I also feel that when Chris and I are looking at people's trading results, we often suggest that people drop their short-term systems. It's almost like it's an 80-20 rule with this as well, that 80% of your profits will be generated through 20% of your trades. But if you're churning and if you're deciding that you have to put that effort in to create that top 20% by throwing a lot of money into the markets, that can actually damage you. It can affect your decision fatigue levels. It can make you less aware when you're seeing something that's archetypal because you can miss it easily if you're tired. The more decisions you have to make, generally the poorer your decision making becomes. So definitely think about that 80-20 rule. Think about what sort of person you are, whether you can take a moderate approach to life or whether you are that bullet a gate type of person 
because you may have to work a little bit harder to overcome that natural tendency. The excess of anything can be training, whether it's the excess of food or alcohol or the excess of trades. If you have got a lot of trades, it's like having those plates spinning. And the older you become, I think, for me anyway, the more selective I need to be. And that goes with friends too, frankly. I mean, don't get me off on a sidetrack there, but that is quite essential also. So have a look at your own trades and have a look at your personality. Work out whether the trades that you are currently in are archetypal. Are they fulfilling all of your entry rules? The primary trend with the setup and the trigger, which is the thing to get you to act, did each of your trades correspond to your archetype? And if they didn't, then you really do need to journal about that. You need to first of all recognise it and second of all work out what you're going to do. The traders that we have helped excel are the ones that most closely match their archetype with every trade that they do. And in fact, I even love it when we catch up with the trader and they tell me that they are taking fewer non-archetypal trades because it's hard to be perfect, isn't it? Now, if you're a more advanced trader and you'd like a little game to play, I dare you to plot your equity curve for your archetypal trades and for your non-archetypal trades. I'll bet what you'll find along with hundreds of other traders that we've trained, is that the trades that were archetypal show an equity curve going up. And the trades that you took that were non-archetypal show an equity curve going down. You can cement that into your own mind. You can look at that equity curve and realise that if you had have just said no, no to those non-archetypal trades, you would have actually been making a lot more money with a lot less emotional trauma. Hopefully that's given you some things to think about. In this Talking Trading, I'm very open to hearing about what topics you'd like me to discuss from now on. I love hearing from my traders and you'll probably know if you've been playing along with Talking Trading for a little while that my main website is tradinggame.com.au. So you're welcome to visit us at tradinggame.com.au and even send me an email, louise at tradinggame.com.au because I would love to hear from you. Tell me what topics you'd like me to talk about on Talking Trading. If there are people that you'd like us to interview, if there are ideas that you have about how we can help you become the best trader that you can be, I would love to hear it. And I hope you've got some things that you can implement immediately in your own trading. Also remember that Chris Tate and I are licensed only for general advice. So everything that we've discussed is of a general nature and it doesn't take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. So make sure that you're aware of that and that anybody you rely on for information about the stock market has that AFSL, the Australian Financial Securities Licence. It's hard to get 
and it's hard to maintain, but it is just that one extra bit of barrier to entry that those shonks out there cannot move towards. I want you to know that we have your best interests at heart because we are licensed and we do want to see you excel as a trader. Until next week, happy trading. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free hot or not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.